1: up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement, but this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code BELLYUP20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. The sun is peeking back out, which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again. So use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning, whether you got glorious beard flow or some smooth, sleek cheeks. The kit starts off with the Beard Hedger, a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of add-ons. It also comes with the titanium coated T-blades that are tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to a single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. So what are you waiting for? Save 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUP20 at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game.
0: This is the
1: MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader giving. of all things it's Thursday night, everybody, and that means it's time for another episode of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for watching us live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Hit the bell notification so you get notified whenever we have new content available to you, which we're, we're back we're, we're once a week now, so from March on, and then we'll go to twice a week and then four times a week when we get to the end season. It's good to have football back. We're two weeks away from the NFL draft special on April 27th. Of course, we'll be doing the entire first round commercial free streaming the entire time and the second and third round on April 28th, starting about a half hour before the draft kicks off on both of those days. By the way, my name, your host, Dan Mater here. I got my co-host, Danielle Dubois. Danielle, how are you doing? We maybe have her. We've been having some technical difficulties. Did you hear me? Yes, I did. I finally got you. (laughs) Uh, Chris should be joining the show at some point. And until he does, we got to properly introduce our guest here. So let's get this started. And now, standing in the bottom right top of your screen, he is the one. He is the only, the Dynasty expert at Fantasy Pros. You can find him on social media at Fitz underscore FF. Find him on his fantasy podcast because you don't want to miss what he has to say. He is Pat Fitzmaurice. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thanks for coming on.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. What an introduction. Uh, Nice to join you and Danielle.
1: I'm so happy to have you. So we, we, we're talking about the wide receiver class. And uh, Pat and I were talking about, you know, before the show, it's, it feels like a unique class because the last couple of years, we have seen wide receiver ones, not, not not just wide receiver ones for NFL teams, not just wide receiver ones for your dinos, but wide receiver ones, like as in the rookie year, they could be the best NFL wide receiver out there. We don't necessarily have that in this class, but we do have a slew of guys that we're well pretty intrigued by. And we're gonna have to get through those today's show. I mean, Pat, when you look at this wide receiver class, what do you make of it?
2: Yeah, you summed it up pretty well, Dan. Um not a lot of sure things, very few sure things. Um, you know, maybe one by my count. And um, but like a lot of potential contributors. And I just like I'm worried that I don't know who those potential contributors are going to be and that I'm I've not done a good job. Like it's a, a tough class to evaluate. Like I think it's really tricky. And uh, as I was telling you earlier, I'm worried that like the draft is gonna come. These guys are gonna go in an order that like completely, you know, flummoxes me and goes against everything I have in my rankings, and I'm gonna to have to like violently reorder everything based on how the draft capital goes, Um, but that's kind of it. I mean, I've just got like, I've got opinions on all these guys, but they're very loosely held opinions. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to open myself to the possibility that any of these guys could be uh, you know, pleasant surprises. Um, But I think, you know, some of them are going to be outright busts too. Like a lot of these guys we have in our top 20, top 25.
1: I think the key is really it's going to be landing spot. Like it's really going to boil down to who got lucky and wound up on a, a smart offensive team, who wound up on a good quarterback team. And we're already <laughs> losing Danielle here a little bit, but it, it, that that's going to be the key, I think, more so than anything else. And I have to hit this quota on every show that we do that's about the NFL draft. What we just talked about, what Pat and I are talking about right now is exactly why you have to wait until after the NFL draft to have your rookie mock drafts okay that is no better reason than to bring that up right then and right there. And I always have to hit that quota just you know once every every show all right, so let's go ahead and get into who we think is our wide receiver one Pat, you are our guest. you can go ahead and have the floor first.
2: So for me, it's Jackson Smith and Jigba and I, what i guess has me sold on him is that i know he's an nfl caliber route runner like he is he is going to be one of the better route runners in the nfl right away um you know and i'm also pretty sold by the fact that he had what a, a 95 catch 1600 yard season while playing with garrett wilson and chris Olave. and you know there was that um famous uh interview that everyone talks about where it was i believe the three of them sitting together and uh the interviewer asked who the the best receiver of the group was and a Garrett wilson instantly pointed to smith and jigba like he's you know better than they are which considering what those guys did as rookies that's a uh, high praise indeed but cj <clears throat> stroud has spoken glowingly of jsn um You know, I mean, I I do think maybe we should be concerned that he lost so much of his his last season at Ohio State to injury. Um, You know, I've seen him mocked in some spots to the Tennessee Titans, which is kind of interesting because I I don't know if, um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a place where uh, the head coach is going to be too crazy about um, soft tissue injuries. So, uh, you know, a guy who missed most of his final year um i don't know I, I don't know if Vrabel would necessarily mix that pick but um no so i i think he's going to be a really good player I, I think he's pretty can't miss
1: i do like jackson smith and, and for me it is quentin johnson for me but it's it's a 1a 1b situation the big thing with Jackson, I think there's no question his his side-to-side quickness as he proved that during the NFL Combine. I mean, he blew everybody out of the water with the shuttle and the three-cone drill and everything like that. It, it proved what a fantastic route runner he actually could be, especially with the separation possibility. But what bothers me about him is that I'm unsure about what his top-end speed might be. That That's, that's what kind of concerns me a little bit when it comes to what his his – overall potential ceiling, which is why I look at Quentin Johnson. And yes, he I don't think he's as good as Jack Smith and Jacob as far as getting that separation from side to side. I think there's more potential to be untapped with a guy like this, though, because he can go deep. He can be a bigger-bodied wide receiver. He is pretty good on the outside. He can be an X receiver. And believe it or not, that's, you know... 20 years ago when I fell in love with the NFL, it, all you wanted was the big X wide receiver and that's becoming extinct now in the NFL. I think there's room for that to come back. I think Quentin Johns could be part of that comeback. And I just think there's an overall more upside for him. When I look at him in a running routes, yes, he needs to open up his route tree just a bit more, but I see a guy who has fluid hips. When you look at him running, he run his post routes. he run his out routes. He'd run his comeback routes, which is mostly what he stuck with over there at TCU He can sink his hips. To me, that indicates a guy who should be able to develop uh, in his route tree. I'll let you rebuttal and then I'll go ahead and uh, get Chris, who's finally joined the show here.
2: Yeah, um, not really much of a rebuttal, Dan. Like I thought uh, I was going to have Quentin Johnston as my number one for much of the offseason. And, um, you know, uh, everything you said, this is a, a class that's really deep with slot guys and flanker types. And Quentin is that true ex. And I am kind of a sizist. I love that he is this big, uh, you know, velociraptor who can just go up and get like anything um, thrown outside the frame of his body. But the one thing and I, I the more I've like read from talent evaluators and, um, you know, like Matt Waldman, whose opinions I really respect a lot on this, like he's kind of really concerned about his uh, Quentin Johnston's hands. He thinks Johnston can be uh, a star if he cleans up his catching techniques, but he thinks like it's a a serious problem. And we did see Quentin Johnston have like, you know, a lot of focus drops uh, for TCU. So maybe that's a problem. Maybe it's going to be something that can be fixed at the next level. If they get him to pay a little more attention to detail with this technique. Um, But so, I mean, I guess that's like, my big issue with him. um, You know, but pretty much I I agree with everything else you said. I mean, I I like him a lot. I I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's a worthy first rounder.
1: Well, and that point's fair. I mean, he had eight drops last year. That's a, that's a significantly high number. And contested catches for a guy his size, he wasn't really as productive in that department as you'd like him to be, although I think I personally hold Max Dugan accountable for that more so than anything else. So that's kind of where I battle back, back and forth. But let's get uh, let's get Chris introduced here into the show. Chris, how you doing? Everything okay? You're you run a little late here, bro. Well,
0: yeah, sitting in the dark. Uh, the full-time job got me I here a tell. little late. Came home and... For real, I don't have an extra uh, lamp to kind of plug in here, so I'm a little bit in the dark right now, so I apologize. You know, Hopefully, you guys can still see me. I'm not just a shadow.
1: <laughs> if you're in a dungeon, just blink twice. We'll, we'll so it looks like, doesn't it? I
0: promise.
1: It. <laughs> okay, Chris, we're talking about our number one wide receivers. That's I know you were just quitting Johnston as well. You know, explain to me why.
0: I think the big thing for me, and you guys hit a lot of the big points of you know, what he does well, but one of the things I don't think was talked about yet was his ability to catch after the catch. Uh, this is a guy that's one of the explosive guys with the ball in his hands, one of the top receivers, You know yards after catch. It makes missed tackles, uh, forces you know people to kind of gang tackle him, so he's going to need to get attention for one or two guys, which is going to open up a lot for offenses. And I think Quentin Johnson is a guy who you can move around. I hear about you know the hands and some of the concerns about that, um, and I also hear about the route tree. I heard similar things about D.K. Metcalf in the route tree. I heard things about A.J. Brown in the route tree. They can go down the line. Cortland Sutton had you know, problems with his hands and what kind of routes was he going to be able to run. Cortland Sutton was able to take his injury, was quite a good receiver. Then you talk about the smoothness, and that's what I see with Quentin Johnson. He has a smooth hips. He can get out of his breaks. And very few guys his size can catch the ball and make you miss. Not just make you miss, make you miss badly. Uh, this guy's explosive. So for me, what I'm looking at is a guy that you can, you know, you can continue to grow. Um, you talk about Max Dugan. I, I think also, I agree with you, held him back in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Um, I think maybe part of the reason he wasn't great at testing the catches or maybe having the catch rate you're looking for is because who knows where that ball is going to land and where it was going to go. So I do think that, uh, you know, I like some of the guys in this, this draft, this re- nice receiver draft class overall, but Quentin Johnson to me is the guy who can become a superstar at a thing where I think everybody else can be a good player.
1: And I think just goes to show you that look that we're looking for – Different potential traits because we don't really have that. Quintet, we don't have a Jamar Chase. We don't have we don't have that type of guy coming into this draft class. So there is some finagling here. We have to project what we think is going to happen next. Uh, but I think. Hey, if, hey, Dan, if, go
0: ahead, Chris. I was going to point out real quick, too. He's also, you know, we talked about the smaller corners and the bigger guys being kind of phased out, which is odd because you have a lot of corners who are six one and taller now in this, in this, in this league. So as the corners are getting bigger and bigger, you're going to need some receivers who could actually physical with some of these guys and especially these zone defenses, people you got to throw it over the top for somebody. So the bigger target is somebody you're to see for a lot of these quarterbacks as well. Well, we saw
1: that this past year, right? All of a sudden, nobody could beat the cover three. Like I didn't know this was a novel concept and we had to watch that last year and defenses just stifle offenses as a result to that. Uh, but let's, let's, let's get into our next segment here. We got our complaints and grievances with the
0: ECR. Tradition of Festivus begins With the airing of grievances.
1: Okay. So, Pat, you are our guest. This is the uh, segment where we complain and grieve against the ECR, why they're so wrong, and we are so right.
2: (laughs) All right. um, Let's see. I mean, I I guess uh, the ECR has Jonathan Mingo at wide receiver 15. I've got him wide receiver 10. I like him considerably more than ECR, and, um, like, it's – To me, I, I like his physicality a lot. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard an Anquan Bolden comparison. I don't hate that. He's maybe not quite that physical, but, um, and then like what we got from him at the combine was a pleasant surprise. He ran faster than I thought he was going to run. He had the second biggest hands, I believe, of any of the wide receivers at the combine. Um, it just tested really well. And, um, you know, he's, he's not generally known as a separator. Like I think he's going to be more of a, you know, possession guy and probably with a shorter average depth of target, but man, he is going to be a problem for NFL defensive backs because he is big and strong and he's hard to bring down and he can defeat press coverage. Um, So I like him. And uh, another thing that I like about him, uh, I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers had a pre-draft visit scheduled with Jonathan Mingo. And generally, when the Pittsburgh Steelers are on a wide receiver, that's a pretty good sign. That is a franchise that knows how to evaluate wide receivers. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Mingo, and I I think the ECR is missing a bit here. And the other one I know we're going to talk about later, so I won't dwell on it too much. I think I'm a little lower on Rasheed Rice. Uh, Then consensus. I've got him like 16th, 15th, and uh, ECR has him at eight.
1: Yeah, that, that one, I'm going to let you and Chris Duke that one out. Spoiler alert, guys, in a later segment on here today. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the Steelers when they're on a the wide receiver. You know, when you think Pittsburgh Steelers, you, you think defense, you think running the ball. No, the, the true position they hit time and time again is that wide receiver position. It's so weird, but it's 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 so true. Um, I, I'll talk about Mingo with you actually a little bit because he was going to be my deep sleeper. I saw you put him on the list and what you're going to talk about, so I actually changed out my deep sleeper later on in the show um, because I figured why not just talk about Mingo here? Because I'm with you. I see a guy who I don't know if he's quite as dynamic as A.J. Brown, but he's built that way. A big body, physical wide receiver. Chris just talked about they got to find wide receivers who can take on these bigger corners and out muscle. Them. Mingo's that guy. And when he ran that 40, that shocked us all. So I was doubling down on Mingo really being able to surprise people. So I'm with you 100% on Mingo being way way too low on the ecr uh is right now in fact i can put up our rankings to kind of give you guys an idea of where we have some of these guys at in our, in our top situation, and we can see Mingo there for Pat. Is that number 10? And we're, 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 we're sitting on that. That's what, you know, guys we're looking for who have those certain traits that are just going to translate to the next level. And th- this is one of those guys who I think he might go, he might go day three. I mean, cause the NFL process right now is all over him. I would say late day two, day three. What do you thinking there?
2: Yeah. Um, if I had to guess, I would say probably round three.
1: I think, that, I think that's fair, and I think yeah. there's going to be an incredible value at, at that spot. Uh, Chris, let's go ahead and skip over to you. Complaints and grievances against the ECR, what do you got?
0: Well, I was going to you know, just add a little bit to the Mingo thing. Just also realize that you know, in the league right now, we have a lot of Kyle Shanahan disciples. And one of the things you see is guys who need to be blockers out there. Mingo's a big guy. He does block. He's willing to stick his nose in it. So he might be some of the coaches as they kind of coordinators all around the league kind of you know emulating that system. We saw like a Kenyon Bourne, for example, um, be pretty good for the you know the 49 ers and didn't show good for Patriots, but he's been able to come kind of be effective. So he kind of reminds me of a guy that can kind of be a physical guy who can walk in the slot or even the outside and be an extra blocker as well.
1: I uh, think I'm gonna go with. Well, hold on, Sorry. for I say for Pat and for anybody else who's never seen this show before, Chris also has a quote on every show, and it's mentioning Shanahan to disciples out throughout the entire NFL. He loves to bring that up. Okay.
0: Well, because I mean, basically, that's what you're you're looking at when you're drafting right now. Is who's you know what guys are going to look for. We saw that in Miami last year. If You don't block, you don't play. So there's a lot of guys that might get drafted slot receivers early on, you'll be know, draft capital, draft capital. But who actually gets in the field? The guy who gets, sticks his nose down there and blocks a lot of times for these guys. 100 percent Go ahead. Um, so the guy I'm gonna go with, and I guess we're gonna do it out a bit more. So I don't want to go with rice yet because we guess we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. I will go with uh one I'm not really sold on, and that's Keyshaw Boutte for the guy from LSU. I know that we got a lot of hype from this guy going into this year, and quite frankly, I don't haven't I haven't seen it, didn't have a great combine. Kept hearing how incredibly physically gifted he is, ran a four-five, nothing didn't run a red cone. Uh, didn't really do anything that really impressed me. I had a terrible year statistically. You could blame the quarterback play at LSU, but as we kind of talked about some of the other guys, you know, there's not great quarterbacks throughout the college necessarily. So these guys had to overcome some of the things they were dealing with. This is a guy, just quite frankly, I think is living off the hype of what he kind of was supposed to be versus what he really is.
1: Yeah, Chris, I just kind of threw the graphic up there, just kind of show where I'm at. I'm I'm at 13 with him. I'm kind of with you. I don't see the the specialness i don't see a guy that really translate to the nfl as being anything more than a wide receiver five on a depth chart for a limited amount of time he's like I, my, my notes i have him he's functional he has functional speed he has functional strength but he's not really an elite route runner to make up for the fact that he's not that explosive he's not super small but he's not really that big he just it he just kind of falls in between every category for me uh, i don't know pat do you feel differently
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things you guys said and the fact that there's not a lot of versatility there, he's probably got to be a slot guy for you. But I will say this. I mean, he pretty extraordinary um, freshman year for him in 2020. I mean, if you would have told me in 2020 that he was going to be a guy people were talking about as a third and fourth round dynasty pick. In rookie drafts, I would have just, you know, my jaw would have hit the floor because I, I thought he was going to be like a, you know, mid first round type rookie pick. He looked like a star. Um, and then like he was hurt his second year, but like the production was sort of there. Granted, like his last year was kind of a washout. Um, clearly, I don't think like he and um, Kelly were getting along very well. Um, And so, yeah, that was bad. And then as Chris mentioned, like his combine testing was really disappointing, but I know Matt Waldman thinks that maybe combine testing in the case of booty is sort of overrated because he thinks booty comps to like Robert Woods and Jarvis Landry, guys who maybe don't test that well, but they're um, really solid route runners really good at the catch point and then very good after the catch. And, you know, I, I get that with Booty. So, I mean, I'm kind of conflicted with him too. That, that last year, that poor combine testing, I mean, makes me wonder whether he's going to make it or not. And plus there's, you know, some open questions about his desire. So um, I'm, I'm leaving myself open to the possibility. And I, I think just because everyone is so down on him, that I'm probably going to wind up with him in more rookie drafts than I was anticipating a couple months ago.
1: Well, value, value, value. That's one thing you guys got to take into consideration when we're talking about these guys and we're, and we're analyzing them and trying to determine what we think their value is. If, if let's say he goes day three, let's say he winds up, you're in your fourth round of your rookie draft. Yeah, of course, he's worth a shot taking there at that point, uh, especially with the, the situation that he is. And that goes for, well, really anybody. But, yeah, he's that guy where he, he's not he's, – I have him 13. I kind of have him in the middle of my rankings for that kind of weird alluded to, Pat. It's, I don't think he's the worst. I think there is some ability there, but I don't see any – I don't see that star potential. I don't know if I even see a complimentary number two potential, and that's where I start to struggle with how much am I going to evaluate you at. But fair, fair points there. Chris, did you have another one, or you just wanted to sit on Rasheed Rice for later?
0: I'll sit on Rasheed Rice for later.
1: Okay. Well, I actually had 3, but Chris you just stole one. Now you just knocked me down the 2. Thanks, buddy. Uh Parker Washington is my guy that I I don't I don't understand. I don't maybe somebody else on this panel feels differently and can maybe, you know, talk to me why ECR has him at wide receiver 10. I got him at wide receiver 20. I'm not even in the same ballpark as everybody else seems to be you want to talk about a guy who I don't see him do anything and ranks in the like bottom tier in every statistical category coming out of last year. Wasn't that impressive, you know, during uh, any kind of measurement workouts and anything like that. Actually, I don't think he worked out. I know he didn't work on the combine, but I don't think he even wound up working out during the pro day. I think he's still dealing with an injury if I'm not mistaken. And with Parker, like it just, when I saw on tape, because I saw a guy who was, he has a running back build. So he has like that strong build that people seem to gravitate towards nowadays, especially in the slot receiver. Cause they try to make everybody into Debo, the next Debo Samuel, which, you know, frankly is just not going to be the case. 9.9 times out of 10. And, and I think that's what they're trying to do with Washington here. Uh, I do think he has solid hands, but again, I don't see the quickness. I don't see the twitch. I don't see the separation for a guy at the next level is definitely going to need to make that happen to be a prolific wide receiver. So that's what I see. I don't understand it. I, I look at this guy. I see a, a guy that I would say is a borderline day three pick, if not an undrafted rookie free agent. That's what I see when I evaluate the tape. I don't know if anybody here feels differently or not about that or, or you know, understands why the ECR has him at 10.
0: Well, what I can say what I can see some attributes of him is that he has a big physical body. His body kind of reminds me of Chris Godwin's body, and I think that because of that, he's able to kind of break tackles. He's able to kind of be a running back in terms of Debo Samuel role. I think he's a little bit more smoother coming than Debo is coming out as catching the routes. Don't you know? Also, don't forget when it comes to statistics, he had St. Clifford as a quarterback for Penn State, which we all know is worse, you know, than Max Dugan or anything else we talked about at LSU. So yeah. he did definitely have to overcome a lot of things. Um, and I think he, he has the ability to kind of make some plays here or there, has a good solid build. So I think it's more about the potential of what you think you, he, he can do necessarily than what he actually has done. And I think there's some you know, physical skill set there that you can see a guy who can make something happen after he gets the ball in his hands. But I'm with you, Dan. I think he has, you know, the smoothness isn't really there yet. And that's where I, swear I kind of do have some questions whether he's going to be a top tier player or a guy who's kind of just makes a roster. Pat, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm up in. Uh, Big 10 country. So I've, I've seen a lot of him and uh, you know, at no point did I ever think like really that he had star potential, although, you know, I can sort of excuse uh, the fact that he never really put up eye popping numbers at Penn state because he was after all catching balls from Sean Clifford. So, uh, you know, we'll give him a free pass there. Um, But to what Chris said about the running back build um, maybe that's it just that he, NFL teams might see him as a zone beater. Um, You know, he's apparently done well against zones, has a a good feel for, like, finding soft spots, and then, you know, he's a pretty good run after the catch guy. So maybe that's the appeal uh, with the increased use of zone coverage in the NFL. uh, You know, maybe he can be sort of a a specialist for teams. Um, But yeah, I, I agree. I think he's maybe ECR has him at, we have him at 10 for ECR. That uh, that's what
1: that last time I checked, which was a couple
2: of days ago, yeah. yeah, I think and I don't know, maybe you guys could tell me what you think about this, but I think like after the first, um, maybe the first seven or eight guys, like things just collapse. like it's it's sort of entropy with the way everyone ranks these guys. Like I mean, it's completely thirty one flavors, and you've talked to five, six, ten different analysts, and they're gonna have these guys ordered in massively different ways. And I think we see that with our own ordering of these wide receiver prospects after the top half dozen top eight or so
1: in this yeah, class, like we were talking good. about, is it likely the wild, wild West after that point? It, it, probably. Go ahead, Chris. I
0: was just going to say, you know, you guys make may correct me wrong. I think he's a younger guy too. I think he maybe he's like a 2021. 20, I think he's a younger yes, guy. So yeah. He like
1: the 21 age and 20. Yeah. Like something like that, like 20 and a half, 21. So they're maybe
0: looking for potential that he could be something bigger, you know, grow into something.
1: All right. All right. So you guys gave me like some clue as to why he might be that high, although I still hear that you agree with me more than that. And that's all I really care about. Uh, I do have one more and that's Trey Palmer. Uh, so th- this guy, I-, I get why there's hesitancy on his part. Uh, I- last time I checked, ECR had him at uh, 20th. I do have him ranked at 11th right now. I- I'm big on Trey Palmer's potential. Uh, One of the things, and it's kind of been a common theme of this show, is that there's so many guys who are like that five eight five nine range, and not that they can't be done, and we're starting to see some smaller guys have some success, that's true, but with Trey Palmer, not only was he the fastest receiver at the Combine, but he's not a midget. I think there's something to be said for that, he's a guy who could actually play on the outside and stretch the fields out and maybe stretch those zones out. Something that actually needs to be done here. The other thing too, is that I know, I know for a fact he's going to help out on special teams day one, right away. And we've seen that, especially over the past few years, become a pathway for players to find a way to get playing time. Maybe not that rookie year, but maybe year two, maybe year three. And that's what I'm looking at with Trey Palmer. I'm looking at a guy that I think has big time play potential and will be on an NFL field because of what he can do, at least in special teams. And that's something to talk about. A guy has a pathway to a significant playing time and he was, Look, he transferred out, yes, but he was highly productive. I like guys who are highly productive, who have NFL trans- translatable traits. So when I look at him being 20th with a guy who has that kind of potential because of what he can do down the field with his speed, I, I think people are kind of, on average, at least uh, losing it a little bit or or, or sleeping on him, I should- I guess I should say. What do you guys
2: think? He's an appealing ball of clay, for sure. Um, yeah, with the, the speed just that lid lifting speed. And as you mentioned, like he is not a small guy either. And I know it's um, the level of refinement that maybe has some people concerned or or wondering whether he'll be, um, you know, how long it's going to take for him to be a productive NFL receiver if he ever gets there. But um, yeah, I mean, like the, the tools are, are definitely there. So um, I agree. He's very intriguing and like, I would, Probably be pretty surprised if he made it past like the fourth round of the draft.
1: And that's what I think too. I I'd be shocked if he was really sitting there late day three, frankly, especially with what he ran the 40, how much teams covered that speed. Uh, Chris, do you have a thought or two before we go to break?
0: Well, I think that's kind of where we're looking what Pat was talking about earlier. It's kind of, you know, it's, uh, after the certain, you know, five, six, seven receivers, you're going to basically have, who does people prefer? There are different guys who can get stretched the field this draft. There are quite a few quick guys, quite a few fast guys, some bigger guys, so it's going to be kind of who do you like more? What kind of builder are you looking for? I think Palmer gets into the guy that's kind of forgotten about because he's just kind of a speedy guy, and therefore he gets kind of lumped in with the other guys that maybe the like downs and flowers, you kind of forget about what he can bring to the table. So I think he is somebody that, yeah, I like his upside. I do think he has a lot of talent, but I think where he falls in ECR could be easily done because when you start ranking some of these guys, it kind of becomes a preference in some senses. Who do you like to speed a little bit more? Who do you like to route running a little bit more? He isn't a great route runner yet. He does have a lot of potential to get better at that, but you haven't really seen that yet. So I think maybe people can move for a polished product. So therefore they may push them down the board as a result of that.
1: Quite possible. We want to take a quick break We come back on the other side. We got more to talk about. We got the MD showdown. We got some deep sleepers from the our panel here. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. Hey guys, I just want to thank you all for tuning into our video today. Make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube where you can search us the MD's Fantasy Football Show or go to at MDFF Show. We're available to you on TikTok and on Instagram. Follow us on social media when you go to at Show or at Dan FF for my personal account. Give us a shout-out on our Facebook page, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Guys, we're available to you all throughout the year for any fantasy football questions you may have or football betting in general. Make sure you subscribe and like the video below. We'll see you again soon. This is the M.D.'s Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, welcome back in and thanks for watching us live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that little bell notification to get notified. We have new content available to you. We don't just drop live full episodes, we also have short video form for you. And make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here are my co host Chris Dowhower, and we got Mr. Pat FitzMorris in the building of Fantasy Pros. And, uh, Pat, what's some things that you, I mean, you're always busy. You got some content going on. What do you want people to check out? You got going on right now.
2: Oh man. Um, they can check out fits on fantasy, uh, and the fantasy pros dynasty podcast, um, fantasy pros dynasty podcast should be coming out. Uh, well, I guess that one won't be out till Monday, but, uh, that one has, uh, Matt Waldman, whose name I've dropped a couple of times and. Uh, You know, Matt's always got some fascinating uh, opinions on players, and he turned me on to Isaiah Pacheco last year. You know, uh, Matt introduced us to him. I mean, I knew who Pacheco was, but uh, Matt talked about him at length on our show last week and then or or last year. And then, lo and behold, 10 months later, uh, Isaiah Pacheco is moving the chains in the Super Bowl. And um, yeah, so that was that was a pretty good call for him. Matt's really sharp. I think people will enjoy that show. And uh, currently on my show, I I had our own in-house NFL draft analyst and college talent evaluator, Thor Nystrom, who is also uh, whip smart and just a, a very shrewd evaluator of talent. So it was interesting to get his perspective on some of these guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Matt, he's so great on on YouTube. It's it's actually phenomenal. Is. But Pat, man, I could have told you about Pacheco. I, I I'm a Rutgers fan through and through. I'm one of the very few out there. <laughs> There's not many of us. I can tell you that. All right, guys, it's time for the showdown. okay usually we'd have danielle judging but since her wi-fi refuses to cooperate we're just gonna go ahead and police each other so chris you're going to judge pat and i as we talk about nathaniel dell i was making a joke with pat earlier before we went out of the show i was like yeah i try to talk about guys in this segment we haven't talked about during the show and uh Pat, you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier when you said, you know, there's a lot of guys that are all over the place. We don't maybe necessarily have super strong opinions about. So I don't have a strong opinion about Nathaniel Dell, but I do have him ninth. You do have him 16th. So I'll have you go first here. Why is he sitting all the way down there? A guy who's been pretty productive throughout his college career.
2: Yeah, you know, and for a while, Dan, like I had him like out of my top 20, like to be honest. And then I, I had to change my mind. Like he's, you know, he's was too productive in college, but, um, to me the 40 time at the combine was almost disqualifying. Um, I know like he plays fast and, um, but man, when you are five, eight and 165 pounds, um, I want to see four, three speed. I don't want to see like barely under four or five speed. I think his official time was four, four, nine. Um, I'm a little concerned that the speed is not going to play as well in the NFL level when you've got cornerbacks who can really run. And um, I, I just, I think he's going to be a part-time player, quite honestly. I think he's going to be a two, two at well.
1: Okay. Okay, so when when I look at Nathaniel Dell, and, and the 40-time the is definitely valid. Um, I also didn't like the fact that the guy had nine drops last year. That would also also be a valid point there, too. But I see a guy who just constantly finds a way to get open. And I do have in my notes, maybe he winds up being more of a weapon than an actual wide receiver, which could lead to you know, only being a part-time player. And yeah, if he was a full-time player, he'd probably have to be a slot-wide receiver. But when I see these twitchy guys who are just natural separators because – they're more quick than fast. And and that's why I thought Nathaniel Dell was on tape. So when he ran the 40, was I a little disappointed? Yes. Was I overly surprised? No, I I wasn't. This is the guy. Sometimes they just know how to get open. They just know how to get into the space they need to be. And my other thing was this, and I I don't know if this is a great reason or not, but I also kind of like Josh Downs. I don't see a huge gap between Josh Downs and Nathaniel Dell, as far as what they bring to the table. I have Josh Downs, And I'll put that graphic up a little bit higher because he's a little bit bigger. And for Josh Downs, sizes, size to give him a little bit of credit. He's actually pretty good in contested catch situations. But when it comes to getting separation and and the slot and and making those plays when it matters most, I don't see a huge gap between these two players. So I felt like if I was going to have Josh Downs in my top six, seven area, I couldn't have the Theo Dell down that far so that's also one of my reasons why he wound up getting into uh my top 10 but chris uh who, who wins this debate in your mind
0: this is a tough one um i'm going with you know pat had mentioned earlier that he talked about it was really hard to kind of rank him in honestly so i wanted to push this guy down my board dan so i'm with you like i wanted to find a reason not to like him necessarily but i do think he's been like, highly productive and you can't necessarily overlook that However, we know how we go on this show, especially when it's kind of a close argument. So I'm going to go with Pat because he's the guest and his argument <laughs> is just slightly a <laughs> little bit better. Thank you, Chris. <laughs>
1: that's, that's, that's completely fair. All right, all right, all right. One, 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 one for Pat here. Now I'll be the judge. And Chris, you better look out. This better be like a sealed plate <laughs> argument because you ain't getting shit out of me, buddy. <laughs> but you guys got Rasheed Rice. Uh, Chris has him at wide receiver two. Overall, which I'm big on Rasheed Rice too. I am not quite that big. So I'm gonna be it's gonna be fun to hear this. And then Pat has him all the way down at wide receiver fifteen. So of the three of us, this is our biggest discrepancy right here is Rasheed Rice between these two guys. So Pat make your argument here. Why is Rice at 15 for you?
2: Yeah, so um as I mentioned before, I think after the top six or the top eight, things really, uh, break apart and, and the rankings get pretty, you know, we're, we're splitting hairs in a lot of ways. And so, you know, now, especially seeing how high Chris is, and is on him, I'm, I'm looking at my rankings and thinking like, Hmm, should I have him ahead of Jaden Reed and Xavier Hutchinson and A.T. Perry? Um, yeah, I mean, he really showed out as a senior 96 catches, 1,355 yards, 10 touchdowns. And he's kind of a springy athlete. did Did really well with the jumps, and that shows up on tape. I mean, he high points the ball really well, uh, strong and contested catches. I guess my main concerns with him are that he has had some ball security issues, uh, some focus drops, and some fumbles. And that the talent evaluators. I mean, I guess I have not. Uh, you know, I. Didn't bird dog SMU games too much last fall, admittedly, because, you know, I'm more of a a Big Ten SEC type guy. Um, But what I've seen of him, um, like I haven't seen enough to see what the evaluators see. And they point to some inconsistencies in his technique, like the basics are there, like he does show good technique at times. But he doesn't always show it and can be just uh, hot and cold as far as doing things the right way. So, um, plus, he's a little older. I mean, we do like the younger guys. We talked, uh, Chris mentioned Parker Washington being a younger guy. I know uh, Kayshawn Booty doesn't turn 21 until next week. Um, I think, or, or maybe it's not next week, but
1: uh, I think it's coming up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Up. Um, but, Rice is a little bit older. He turns 23 next week. So I I guess, you know, not that I'm totally dismissing him because of that, but it's a little bit of a strike. I I wish he were a little bit younger and that that uh, dominant last year he had at SMU, um, you know, hadn't come against basically younger defensive backs. And
1: that's fine. Chris. Before you make your point, though, how many guys in this draft class, and I guess it would be next draft class too, that just kind of get screwed over in the age part of it because of the COVID 2020 season? I, I do feel bad for these guys from that standpoint. But go ahead, Chris. You can make your
0: point now. Yeah. I mean, well, I think Pat hit some of the things. This guy had an elite production, <clears throat> sorry, elite production last year The 96 catches, the over 1,300 yards, 99.9%. Uh, 90 QB rating when quarterbacks were targeting him. So he's obviously a guy that people can throw the ball towards and he makes something happen. Top 96% when it came to the vertical the number, uh, top 92% when it came to the first 10 yards. And for so myself, while I wasn't throwing the four or five 40, it's not bad. And what really matters is can you get off the line quickly and get in that first 10 yards is usually when you win and break, you know, win or lose routes in the NFL. He's outstanding with that. Um, a guy who's a, a gifted athlete. So when I look at a guy who has gifted athlete had high production and was one of the top producers in an SMU college, as you talked about, isn't necessarily known for, you know, churning out receivers, doubled his touchdown, uh, at 20 touchdowns, or 19, I'm sorry, over the last two years, um, increased his yards per catch over the senior year. So he had you know, 10 yards just in 2021, 20, went up to 14 in 2022. So it's a guy who's not just, really just just turning around, catching the ball, and that's it. He's making something happen. Continue continues to stretch the field. So, what, you know, the little kinks where you can improve some of his route running, he can get a little bit more smoother, I think the physicality that he brings to the table, the skill set, and then the production makes me very excited about a guy that if he can work on a couple of little things, he could be an outstanding player. One of the few guys who I think could be a true star in this this draft class.
2: And Dan, since I'm uh, grateful to Chris for giving me the victory over you on the uh, Tank Dell debate, I will help him make his case. And just I I think, unless I'm mistaken, uh, Rasheed Rice did lead all FBS receivers last year in catches on uh, throws with air yards of 20 yards or more. I think like he had 18. I don't 80, have that one on the top of my head, of those, so I have to so. trust you on that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so big play guy for sure.
1: All right, all right, Chris, you, you clearly love Rasheed Rice a lot, and you cleared in a lot of homework on him. So I, I guess I'll give you the point, you lucky bum. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pat, now you're going to judge me and Chris here, and um, we got a big gap when it comes to Marvin Mims. Now, I got Mims sitting as my wide receiver 6-1 spot below, Rasheed, Rice, Chris. But uh, you have Marvin Mims all the way down at wide receiver 14. So, Chris, you can go ahead first. Why do you hate Marvin Mims so much?
0: I don't hate Marvin Mims. This is going to probably go back to Pat's earlier point that I think there's a lot of guys who are very similar in this draft that I find – and he's one of those guys that kind of gets bunched in. Not overly tall, had a good forty speed, but wasn't really impressive in the rest of the you know combine things. Wasn't highly productive last year. I expected Marvin Mills to be more productive, I guess, in college, and I kind of was disappointed what I saw. So as a guy that I was really actually big when he went into Oklahoma, I thought he was going to be a star, and never really kind of materialized. So I look at kind of other guys. D.D. Westbrook kind of pops in my head. So I kind of, I wonder, you know, is he going to transition into the pros? Is he going to be somebody who's going to be effective and be utilized? I think if he would have had a dec- a better year, um, he probably would have been more draft capital spent on him. Because he didn't, I worry this is going to be a guy who's going to be a, you know, a third, fourth receiver on a team, and I don't really see long-term fantasy value unless he gets on the field quickly. Um, so I, I have a little bit of difficulty trying to – I don't hate Marvin Mims, but I also think he's a guy that I think there's a lot of other guys very similar to, so I don't know if it's necessarily think like he's going to be someone who stands out to a lot of people.
1: I don't know. I think your ranking says you hate him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I got a few things on Marvin Mims. I think he was productive where it matters most. And I'm looking for yards after the catch. Can you make people miss? Yes, he was 27th in yards after the catch for that. Can you hit the deep ball? Yes, absolutely. He was 17th in his A-dot. And while he's not huge... He's not one of these, you know, five, eight, five, nine guys we're seeing come out of this draft. He is 5'11, 183. Oh, not to mention he's got tremendous speed ran the 43840. And from what I'm reading from people evaluating and putting in these mock drafts, you know, for three rounds, I'm starting to see Marvin Mims' name creep up there as one of those guys who. Maybe, dare I say, even slips into the potentially the second round. I feel like the third round at this point, at least from what I've been seeing, is almost a virtual lock. To me, that's enough draft capital with his speed and size and showing that he has the ability to track the ball and get open down the field as well as he can. Oh, not to mention, he's going to help out on punt return. I do like guys who I feel like are definitely going to give a team a boost right away on the special teams to give themselves not only a roster spot, but also a significant pathway to playing time. And the other thing I have for him is that, yes, he needs to work on his route tree a little bit, especially his release package at the perimeter. But I feel like he's going to get his fair opportunity to play slot receiver no matter where he goes. Plus with his hips, his explosiveness, I don't think it would be long before he can develop a pretty good route tree. So I'm really big on what I think Marvin Mims is. And when we're talking about a wide receiver class that there's a lot of guys are limited as far as what their potential ceilings may be. He's got those NFL traits that the ceiling he can reach that, that we're looking for out of those players. So that's why I'm much bigger on Marvin Mims at six, Pat, you are the
2: judge. Oh man, this is tough. Uh, Two really compelling cases. I know, I know, that Chris's mention of D.D. Westbrook just sort of chilled my blood. And, uh, you know, that was as convincing as anything he uh, said, uh, you know, speaking against Marvin Mims. Um, I think I do have to go with Dan on this one. Uh, I like that he ha- you added the mention of his um, contributions as a return man, which, uh, you know, I think historically, like, that's, that's a pretty good indicator of, uh, you know, that sort of helps – the odds of NFL success when, when guys did that successfully in college. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you made a strong case that he is a separator and uh, that that skill is going to translate pretty well through the NFL. Well,
1: thank you, Pat. And uh, guess what? We're all one, one and one. So we all win. We all win. That's when you know, you have a good debate when everybody wins one. That's how, you know, you have a bunch of good debaters here. Okay. So we're going to cap off this last segment. We want some deep sleepers guys that maybe are going day three that we think actually have a legitimate chance to make some waves when we talk about our fantasy rookie drafts after they happen. Now, of course, these guys are probably a little bit more dependent upon, you know, where they land and is it the seventh round or is it the fourth round or, you know, what have you, as far as the draft capital goes in the back end. But, who do we think is going to make some waves that aren't in those consensus top 10 type-ish players? Uh, Pat, we'll start with you.
2: All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Puka Nakua of BYU. And um, I, I know that uh, you know, some of the talent evaluators are, are not that high on him and maybe have him out of the top 20 or top 25. Um, tough, physical, not the fastest dude, but uh, you know, very good at contested catches. And he's uh, although the straight line speed isn't dazzling, four six, um, you know, pretty marginal, in fact, um, he's still got sort of like this twitchy athleticism to him, and um, apparently, he's just a coach's dream. And he really showed out at the senior ball. Like I was not there in mobile, but some of my colleagues at fantasy pros, Thor Nystrom, Derek Brown were, they came away really impressed by Puka Nakua. Like he uh, was having his way with some of the, the DBs down there in drills. So um, I think he can be a solid NFL possession receiver. Um, he does have to stay healthy. I mean, like the ability to do that can be a skill at times. And he was – bothered throughout his college career by some nagging injuries. So, um, you know, he's got to show that he can stay on the field. But I do think he's going to surprise people. I, I think he can be a solid NFL possession receiver.
1: Yeah, that's the name I've been hearing more and more lately. And, uh, Chris, you can help me out with this because I'm about to talk about one of your favorite players of why I struggle with Puka Naku. And... and <laughs> Uh, so all the reasons Pat just listed is pretty much the attributes of uh, when I missed out on Cooper cup and, and sounds very, very, very similar. Not that fast is a coach's dream can make guys miss still get separation somehow still always makes the contested catch, but you're just walk away feeling just not that overly impressed with his overall athletic profile. Then the guy just, he finds a way to get it done. So I struggle with him personally because I knew I missed on Cooper Cup when he was coming out. I don't want to do that again. This guy's a lot of similar attributes, but I still feel underwhelmed when I watch his tape. So I'd love to hear Chris here because you you were on Cooper Cup when he first came out.
0: The difference, I think, for myself for Cooper Cup is he's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more able to kind of line up on the outside. or i not well, being a slot receiver in the pros, but it was a guy that he showed you could do both in, you know, for me, the cool is a guy has to play a slot in NFL. I don't think he's gonna be able to line up it outside, get off press coverage. So I think Cooper Cup had a little bit better hands, had a little bit more technique. I think he could get open a little easier, especially quickly, um, off of more physical, you know, routes. But I do think he's a guy that can you know, depending on where he lands, can be one of those like Julian Edelman types where he's just gonna sit there and feast on that eight to nine yard because he has good hips, he gets in and out of his breaks really quickly. So I can see the upside in him, but I just don't love the physical build of him. And, and I don't necessarily think he's going to be a guy who can line up inside or outside. I think he's pretty much a as a slot guy. Do
2: you have any rebuttal to that, Pat? No, I, I think he probably is going to be a, a slot guy at the next level. Um, but an intriguing big slot at his size. Yeah, no, totally agree. Chris,
1: who is your deep sleeper of this class?
0: I think these are guys that, you, know, you talked to the Cooper Cup guys, these are guys who have all been productive, but I was very su- pre- surprised and pleased with their 40 times in the combine, so I'm going to th- run three guys together for you. I'm going to give you first Xavier Hutchinson, a guy who's highly productive in Iowa State, a guy who I think is able to kind of make a pigeonhole as a slot receiver, I think he's a little bit outside as well, a political call finalist two years ago, he's been productive every year, he's been in college, had a decent 40, ran a 4-5, but he's a guy who gets open. Uh, another guy similar to that is Jonathan Moreno Cropper, um, a guy from Fresno State, a guy who's just very highly productive, just finds a way to get open, ran a 4-4 at the combine, so he sees some speed. He's not you know highly a great athlete per se, but is a guy who just kind of has a good feel for the game. And the last one's Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones of Purdue is a guy who's just been ridiculously productive again, ran a good 40, ran a 4-4-3. Um, not a guy who's not somebody who can make you miss, but a guy who's gonna get open has great uh, ability to kind of read the coverage, can kind of dictate where he wants to go. He can beat zone, he can beat man. So these are three guys who I think can, you know, match up against different kinds of defenses, whether it's zone or man, and kind of get open. And they've shown that in college. And with their combines, are pleased with their, you know, their 40s, I necessarily love their shuttles, but I think there's some things that you can see that they're able to kind of get longer if they need to. not going to be guys who are necessarily have to catch the ball two yards and fall down. So I think all these guys would be highly productive and guys who I think can translate that into the pros. They have the opportunity
1: leave the Chris to be the overachiever with like a three deep sleepers. So what in the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> I like those names, especially Xavier Hutchison. That that was a guy that, that is still on, on my radar. Um, yes. I have him ranked towards, uh, I think 18 right now, but he has some intriguing skill sets in particular. And yes, Charlie and, and Cropper both do as well. Cropper's another guy that I uh, kind of almost put inside my top 20. Didn't quite there. Pat, you got any take on those three?
2: um hutchinson yes love him as a a, another big slot possibility uh don't know as much about uh our our guy from fresno state marino cropper like i'm i'm not much of an authority like he's been a blind spot for me to be honest i probably shouldn't comment on him um i don't know if i'm ready to uh embrace another purdue receiver here chris Mm -hmm. like i i I really liked really like david (laughs) bell that hasn't panned out. Don't yet. give up. Don't I, give up. I, abs- I absolutely loved Rondale Moore. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, true, he's true. broken my heart to this point. So, um, yeah, but uh, I could see the case for Charlie Jones, though, being an interesting, uh, you know, day three, sort of a late sleeper if he lands in the right spot.
0: I talk oh. up on those guys. I still love both those guys. I think they got a chance to get it back.
2: Well,
1: no kidding, you yeah. do. You decided to send me that trade for David Bell, and I was like, nope, reject, get out of here. I'm not <laughs> stealing my, I'm not stealing my gem. <laughs> I hope my gem anyway. Um, all right, so so my guy is from Princeton, Andre Yosevis. And uh, before I get into him, I just want to say, Princeton, can you please put out a little bit better video? Because watching tape on this guy was <laughs> brutal. I thought I was watching it on like a 1975 TV. And, it, you know, it's probably my fault. I literally live 15 minutes from Princeton. I probably should just went to go see a game knowing that I was going to probably talk about this guy at some point. But, you know, whatever. Just get better on the video quality. I mean, you guys are Ivy League over there. You must have some kind of technology, I would think. Anyway, besides all that would shocked me about him kind of Chris kind of why some of the guys that wound up in your list that you're talking about I didn't expect this guy to come out and run a 4-4-3 four, four, I mean he he definitely takes the top off It's sometimes it's hard to judge that when you're playing against other Ivy League schools though the talent and everything like that and It doesn't look like he's trying that hard when he runs, but when he comes out, runs that 4-4-3, I'm like, all right, so you have the long strider deceptive speed. I love that with big guys, especially on the outside, because that will catch safeties off guard time and time again and have them twisting around. The, The things that, you know, why he's still lower on the list and why he'll still be a day threes, I wish he would be more aggressive after the catch. He's got a big body. He's real physical. He's definitely strong. But you don't always see that come and play out on the field once he has the ball in his hands. He does have a more complete route tree than I think people want to give him credit for. And there is that, you know, we want to call a stereotype fine, but he has that that Princeton background of just like, I'm going to do everything the coach asked me to do. And I'm going to do it exactly how it's taught to me. And you kind of see that on the field as well. I think this is somebody who's going to get drafted as a depth play. I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to find his way on being a starting wide receiver within the first two to three years of whatever team he winds up on. Uh, What do you guys think?
2: Intriguing tools for sure with the size and speed. Um, You know, I, it might, I could see him being on a practice squad in year one. Uh, you know, being like a guy who's either maybe a, a sixth rounder, seventh rounder, or maybe a priority UDFA. I, I think he probably will get drafted, though. Um, but yeah, he's he is intriguing for sure. Um, you know, I know maybe that he they were hoping for a little more from him. What I, I forget? What did he run at the combine? Do we have that hand? He, he, he was forty time was a four four three. Okay, yeah, that's that's plenty fast. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he is intriguing for sure. But I think maybe, you know, considering the level of competition he was going against, maybe more of a developmental
0: guy where it takes a year or two for him to get on the field.
2: What do you think, Chris?
0: I think that's the key is I think that this guy has the, a lot of the physical skill set, has a track background. So you, you see the ability to kind of get open and get at the speed you talked about, Dan. I like the building, like his body. But you do see that he's going to have to improve. Like you talked about yards you have to catch. You talked about kind of the route running. So I think the game's a little bit fresher to him, and it might take him a year or two to kind of develop that. It's kind of hard in the NFL to kind of you know hit the ground running when you're a, a receiver still kind of learning the game. And I think that's something that you know, he does get kind of behind the eight ball as a result, but I think if he gets a chance to kind of get out there, and you talk about being a coach's guy, you know, do whatever they get him. Where I do see absolute value, and I hear a lot of good feedback about him, special teams usage. his guy seems like he's a guy that they, people out of special teams coaches are really interested in Think he could be a good gunner. So I think there is some – what they're – continue to be punting in the future. We'll see how that works. But um, I do think he has some uh, potential to get on, on the field if he's a special teams guy, a guy who contributes on Sundays because he can do both. And you see a lot of receivers who don't get activated because they can't play special teams. So a guy that, you know, if he's willing to do the dirty work, has the physical skill set, there is some opportunity for him to grow into something. I just worried about the first year that he doesn't really get a chance to show that yet.
1: All right, gentlemen, I I think that was a pretty good synopsis overall of what's going to be, I think, a variant dating wide receiver class during the NFL draft to see what teams are going to evaluate them where, honestly, I think after the second round, it's just going to be, oh, who fell in love with X guy, and it's going to be out left right field, I think, all over, which is why I'm super excited uh, Chris, for our NFL drafts uh, stream on the 27th and on the 28th, we'll be going all night long and talking about the fantasy impact. Guys, we will have our, our betting picks, so we're going to try to win you guys some money while the drafts, especially in the first round, while that's going on, uh, just kind of give you a little side action while we talk about some NFL draft analysis and fantasy analysis. Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the show. Uh, we met you briefly during the expo. We are going back again this year. It was tremendous to awesome. meet you there. I hope we're going to see you again there.
2: You will absolutely see me there again, Dan and uh, Dan and Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Really appreciate it, and really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm glad thank you did. You. Um, before we get out of here, you know, tell everybody where to follow you at and, and where to go check out all your shows and everything one more time.
2: Yeah, um, people can find uh, Fits on Fantasy and uh, the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Podcast wherever podcasts are to be found and um they can find me on twitter at fits underscore ff and uh, be sure to visit fantasy pros frequently in the run-up to the draft because i think we're running nfl mock drafts and uh rookie dynasty mock drafts pretty much every day so uh there's a lot to visit uh, a lot to check out on our site uh, if you're into that sort of thing, and I'm guessing you are if you're watching this show. <laughs> Absolutely. And you guys got another
1: feature for for guys like us where you have the the, the rookie ranker. So I'll be getting those yes. published out uh, very soon for my stuff before the NFL draft. And I'm, I'm sure you and, and the whole crew of our fantasy pros will um, as well. Chris, you have what do you have coming up with Adam on Billy of fantasy?
0: We are going to be doing a preview of the draft. I'm not sure exactly what week we're going to be doing, whether next week or the following week, though, um, that Tuesday right before the draft. But we're going to be getting ready to kind of, for our kickoff show, kind of being previewing some of the fantasy guys, talking to Adam about some of the deep fantasy uh, dynasty guys. That's his, his, in his gambit. I'll talk some more redraft guys. So, kind of getting you ready for the draft and giving you some of the guys that we're liking or looking at as we enter to this, my favorite part of the season, draft time.
1: That Yeah, us Madden lovers, we didn't play for the game. We played for franchise mode. <laughs> Guys, we loved having you on. We're going to be back again next week at 930. We're going to have Dan Toomey on. Hey, we're going to talk about the tight end class, which also is one of the stronger classes like running backs last week. Uh, that's kind of surprising that we've seen in a few years, so I can't wait to get into that. Of course, all the NFL Draft Special after that, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the bell notification, and download us on your favorite podcast app so that way you can stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. We'll see you guys next week.